I'm gonna put a buzz Damn, Chris, on the internet one day A Chris said, you know, let's make a podcast, boy Come on now, what do you say? Well, what will this podcast be about? Sit down with a tear in his eye We got stories that people tell each other From Luetti and Empire to the city of Mumbai Oh, you mean urban legends And the podcast was urban legends With Bill and Chris You take care, y'all Hello, welcome to this week's, this Thursday's episode of Urbane Legends, the podcast uh, about urban legends. Uh, I believe, actually, now it could well be the longest-running podcast about urban legends, having had a little look at some of our uh, some of our competitors. Um, yes, each Thursday we bring a new legend for your pleasure. Beating this dead horse into the ground. Don't you worry about it. Don't you worry. I've got, I've got about four series worth of more stuff that I've already had a look at. So right, I gonna, promise you, decide, listener. We're going to be going on for a while. Yeah, don't you worry. Uh, I am uh, car boot sale bully Chris Flynn, and uh, with me, as always, is uh, Tinder catfish Mister Neil Herbert. Hi, Neil. How are you doing? Hey, Neil, how are you? I've got an urban legend for you. Is it a beast? Is it a ghost? Do I know how to end this? No, I don't. That's nice, isn't it? Little improv going, song. Little, yeah, going for a little improv comedy, little yeah. musical comedy. Good, wasn't yeah, it? That's nice. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah, I'm trying to get on the dollop. So, <laughs> Fair enough. Always worth a try. Always worth a go. Um, yeah, so how's, how's, the, how's the catfishing game going? You're kind of like a low-rent Tinder swindler, aren't you? Yeah, you know. <laughs> I mean, you can imagine their faces when this turns up. You actually turn up, then? Do you turn up and go, give us yeah. some... There's someone filming this meeting, give us some money, or I'll show it to your friends. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll pretend I'm like, um, what's his face? He's just bought Rex. When I say just bought, them, them lads who bought Rex. The one who isn't in Always Sunny. Deadpool, handsome lad. Uh, Ryan Reynolds, is that Ryan him? Reynolds, that's it. Yeah. Oh, you fancy him, do you? Well, no, just not you know, my type. I suspect, mate. You know, plenty of people would be interested in his. You know, he's 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 witty. He's you know decent yeah. looking. Owns a football so, team. Owns a football team, even if it's right. Sorry, a soccer team. <laughs> um. Yeah. So you know, I oh, was just down in the down in the uh, down in Wrexham. Fancied a bit of romance. You know, Blake lives is not so lively these days. So uh, you know, <laughs> I'm around the prowl. See what I can snare in, and then uh, then up I turn up. I know okay. you. Um, so you're doing it for romance, and just hoping that they're too polite to pull out, uh, as it were. Or um, are you doing it for financial gain? Either or, to be honest with you, Chris, I'm dead whatever. inside. So <laughs> <laughs> whatever, whatever, whatever's coming. Oh, that's nice. Um, well, I'm glad. I'm glad you're very open about it. So that's um, that's that's nice. That's, that's promising, I guess. Don't know. Not really, but you know, if you're going to bring these things up, then uh, <laughs> this is where we go to, I suppose. Um, had had many, had many, uh, many catfishers yet? Have you uh, have done I many? fished in many? Lord, in many, uh, no, no. Um, a bit of karmic <laughs> retribution. Now I've, um, you know, I've, I've been. I mean, catfished yourself, haven't you? <laughs> Quite a few times. <laughs> Mostly, yeah, yeah. And now you're, lost, li- now you're living in a shipping container. I'm, I'm bankrupt and living in a shipping container. Which is, uh, <laughs> That's all right. That's eco-living. Yeah. Modular li- they, the they call that modular living now. You know, back when they used to have that Aussie pub and then they turned it into another shipping containers around Brighton. 
yeah. You yeah, had this, yeah. What? The, the, it was the Cobbler's Thumb, I think it Cobbler's was. Thumb, yeah. turned it into a bunch of like shipping container um, yeah. houses. But that's for pe- homeless people, so I'm quite fine with it. Oh, no, absolutely. Oh, I've, not, got, like, I've got no beef with it whatsoever. They're, they're not selling them. <laughs> no, 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 oh, no, no, no. I don't, no, to be honest with you, I think it's perfectly, you know, as long as, yeah. as, long as somebody's not trying to do it extortion or whatever. I mean, you look at no, compared to some of the yeah. London um, properties where people are, you know, well, I think the latest one I saw, I mean, they get more and more ridiculous <clears> by the day, but uh, it had like a bunk bed over a bar. Nice. You know, with an oven next door to it sort of thing. So literally somebody's just converted a bathroom into a flat. Oh, over a bath? Is it over a bar? No, a bar. Oh, over a bath. <laughs> well, you, you must see it's like people will sort of put up, I think Vice do it, there's a few different sort of locations where they'll talk about sort of London rentals and the most famous ones. I mean, it's, it's sort of a bit of a meme now, isn't it? But, um, yeah, it's just like, you know, what landlords can get away with due to our... Well, yeah, I mean, it's kind of, we live in... Uh, has been amply advertised our government really couldn't care about all the stuff they're building around here because we live in a very expensive place as well because it's close enough to London so people commute and also trademark uh, according to science the most hipster city in the world just beating out Portland, Oregon um, I think what tips it for us is we don't have uh, quite regular events where white nationalists walk through the streets with AK-47s, which just tipped us over the edge, just ahead of them. Yeah, the it's probably, I suppose that's probably more the rest of Oregon. Well, Oregon but, um, yeah, it is, yeah. Yeah, it's um, more, you know, I think, to be fair, they were sort of like doing that almost. It's like you will sometimes, like, what's that brick march called where they all come down and start screaming at Brighton for being tolerant? You occasionally get fascists come down and normally they bust them in from places like Liverpool and then they're outnumbered about a million to one by people in Brighton yeah, and, they, tend, up and, and they, just kick, back and they just get a kick in. So, you know, it's good fun. Good day out for them, I guess. I'm, um, sure, I'm sure they get something out of it. But, um, yeah, but, you know, yeah, it's not really for you. Then don't just come I down doubt so. many of them come down more than once. <laughs> because <laughs> well, it's just pointless, you know. Right, and oh, it's got all those gays and stuff. Uh, let's don't, go don't, down. Don't come. Yeah, let's you know, go down fine. there and do Nazi stuff. Yeah. Oh, shit, turns out there's also quite a lot of Antifa down there. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, yeah, it's so, it's, uh, yeah, you're... You know, but yeah, uh, so our prices, our prices are really expensive as well, and there's loads of new builds going up, like big kind of like apartment blocks with kind of hundreds of flats in, and they're all going to be uh, not for sale or rent controlled or anything. They're all for commuters. They're service American style service departments with like a gym facility and all that kind of stuff, and they're all near stations. Are going to cost loads of money. Very nice. Very nice um, indeed. Yeah. If you can afford it, yeah, and you know, you know, at the moment as well as we're recording, our, our government is basically on holiday. They're taking us, you know, they've yeah. decided the prime minister's I mean, offer his second holiday in three weeks. Let's you know, be honest, cost of living prices. Let's be honest, it doesn't really make any difference with considering who's who's, who's in, charge. in charge. I mean, it's yeah, better I know, that it's... it's better that they're not there because they're not going to do anything good. But if they're not there, then they're not doing anything currently bad. Well, so fair enough, I suppose. Although I did, I did enjoy the um, the speech about nuclear power. I saw he found a way to blame Tony Blair and Gordon Brown again. They've been in yep. power for twelve years, but apparently it was up to them to build a load more nuclear. Yeah, it's probably. And you, half of your, you know, how many more people are you going to appoint to the House of Lords who are friends with like ex KGB, etc. Anyway. Yeah, many. I mean, the thing go. is, thing is, what you're not thinking of, Neil, is that 
the people that he appoints to the House of Lords then give him money. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So, and thus nice. returning to the conservative values that yes. nourish the roots of English liberty. I've, <laughs> I've forgotten that. That yeah, great, that great English oak. Let's face it, it's an English oak. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, Scottish Wales. That, you may shelter under the boughs of this great English oak. <laughs> let's be honest. You know that produces instead of the producer produce, that produces. Bulldogs as fruit. Yeah. <laughs> Why would you not wish to shelter under such, you know, ugh. And uh, yeah, just just to be clear there, Scottish and Welsh chums were obviously, you know, taking the mickey. Uh, of, I think um, they're aware. The yeah, I think, yeah, I probably was probably pretty sledgehammering on the nose as it was. Um, yeah, anyway, political satire, not my strong suit. Um, no. <laughs> anyhow, um, we've got uh, an urban legend to talk about today, Chris, haven't we? Don't want to talk about my uh, my. Oh, hang on a second. Yeah, no, bullying. I, I was going to say actually, yeah. Sorry, I, you've reminded me. Are you one of those pricks who? Like, so I've never, I've not been to a car beat sound, but why here? Ever from from? No, I've never been to what. One. But why here from friends? For American friends, like so, car boots has a very English thing, but the equivalent would be a flea market for you, or so, a garage sale, I guess. But you drive you, up literally your car full of goods. Yeah. And, well, the idea was you used to sell them right out of the car boot, but normally you put up a trestle table or something yeah. um, and unload. But, but apparently what tends to happen is all of these pricks just turn up right as you're, turn, right as you're there, yeah. trying, to, trying to buy stuff yeah. off of you to get it cheap as soon yeah. as you come in straight in at like 6 o'clock in the morning or whatever. Yeah, um, that would drive me mad. You, you're one of them. I'm like, absolutely yeah. one of them, yeah. Got any kettles? <laughs> Quid for them. What? Kettles. 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 Yeah, no. yeah, again, my enunciation. I imagine kettles would be a hot seller. Yeah, I mean, I, that's... A... <laughs> well, it yeah, tends I mean, to be a load of shit, doesn't it? Being, 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 uh, being in the antique market, what I tend to go for is second-hand electronic goods. Yeah. <laughs> kettles, bread makers, toasters. Well, that's what Lovejoy made all of his scratch out of. That was what Lovejoy... That's um, the TV show with uh, now quite famous in America actor Ian McShane, yeah. where he used to... Uh, he was like a, a detective slash antique stealer. It was great. I genuinely can't remember. I genuinely, I, I really enjoyed it when I was a kid. It was watching it when I was growing up. Um, but yeah, it was kind of like there's a sort of weird English genre. I mean, it's a bit like um, oh god, what was the one? The Quincy. Got... Yeah, it's a bit, yeah, it's a bit like the Quincy. Um, yeah, just somebody who's in. Well, I suppose it isn't. Yeah, I suppose that is. You know, there's, it's probably isn't spoiled. But yeah, he was just an antique stealer, and he get involved in some sort of. Um, Actually, it was crime solving. Was I'm not quite sure exactly what the plots were. Uh, it was well, very... He kind of solved crimes around sort of the antiques. He was a bit of a bad boy, and he, uh, and, he know, wore a leather and, jacket. That's for sure. He leather jacket, and he's um, but yeah, and, he, uh, and uh, the posh ladies who he bought, Lady or, Jane, or sold antiques from, liked him because he was a bit of rough. Do you know what I mean? Later like to become Lady Caroline, who was a bit less age appropriate, but never mind. Um, yeah, yeah I, I don't know what happened to Lady Jane, which just didn't fancy doing it anymore, but. Um, but yeah, so there's there's kind of a whole genre in on English TV of kind of uh, just a sort of layman doing kind of detective work. Well, I suppose it comes from Agatha Christie, doesn't it? Because you'd have like Miss Marple or something like that. So yeah. it'd be somebody who you wouldn't expect. Or I think Poirot was a consulting detective, but it's just somebody who you wouldn't necessarily <laughs> expect. But you know, somebody a bit eccentric and idiosyncratic, solving crimes because the police are all blithering idiots. Poirot, homicide in the city. Oh, did you have you seen that Death of the Nile that Kenneth Branagh directed? No. Yeah, it gets worse. 
I quite like the first one and his moustache. Like, yeah, I like the David. I like the David Suchet ones. They're yeah, they're right. decent. But um, I don't know. I'm kind of. Um, I'm more of a Sherlock Holmes man, to be honest with you. Yeah, the Jeremy Brett ones. Oh yeah, great. those are the absolutely peerless ones. I know yeah. everyone lost it for uh, Cumberbatch. Guy or Rick. Oh, they're shit. Oh, the guy is awful. No, they're fine. It's just it's a bit overwritten and up itself. And no, but I hate all the stuff. Right, so I've seen like half an episode, and I hate all the bit where it, oh, it just drives me fucking mental. Where to kind of show his thinking, the mind palace. Yeah, they kind of overlay like graphics of like like a, like in a beautiful mind or whatever. It's like yeah, but like a good actor, you can just see they're having a think. You're like you don't have to go. Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> like, it's like Sherlock Holmes for idiots. Like, I can't. Yeah, say. the TV ones were the were the best ones. Definitely. Yeah, the um, ones. You can find them all on YouTube if people want to watch. Yeah, them. they're PS, excellent, um, excellent ones. Um, if you're at all interested in that sort of thing. Yeah, they're as good as The Wire, but different. <laughs> well, <laughs> slightly different. I wouldn't. I don't know. No, they're know. not. It's it's not got the. Well, it's what it is. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. If you, you know, like for what it's Holmes. trying to achieve, yeah. The wire had a larger reach, and but yeah, um, but no, they weren't. You know, if you yeah, if you enjoy that sort of thing, then it's uh, yeah. So speaking Check of the wire, out. today we're looking at Idris Elba's favourite urban legend. <laughs> it is, could be, which is the urban legend of the computer game Polybius. That's how I'm going to pronounce it. Are you Fair enjoying- enough. Well, I thought it was Polybius, but I might well be wrong. I, I wouldn't bet on either of us being correct. Well, it's P-O-L-Y. I could imagine, I could imagine Driss um, could be. being into this. Like, I, I'm a, he might have hung around the arcades. He was, he's a London boy, isn't he? He's a Londoner. Um, yeah, so uh, I'm primarily going to be... He's at that age when arcades were king? Yeah, he is. Well, don't mention it to him. Did you ever, did you ever used to go on the arcades when you were a teenager, Chris? Uh, not when I was a teenager, maybe, well, early teens, but the thing yeah, is, early teens, yeah. I didn't have a lot of... Before you start drinking. Yeah. Um, I didn't have a lot of money, so I didn't have a lot of money for arcades. Oh, no. So, but yeah, so you used to go down there. I remember there was, um, there's a bowling alley near us and there was some arcade machines there. And I remember one magical summer, there was a football game, like a World Cup game or whatever it's called. Yeah. Uh, World Cup Soccer 94 or some shit. And, um... It was broken, and so if you put one amount of money in, like, one go, so, like, 20p... It just let you re-up every time? Yeah, you press start, and it gave you 99 credits, so I just spent the whole summer playing that, yeah. And I remember, you know, those Halcyon days, the game changers, like, Mortal Kombat came in. It was, like, 50p a go, so I just had to watch people play, but... Well, so I think so, yeah, I'm a bit older than you, but I, was, I think it was probably like yeah, it was when I was about twelve or thirteen or something like that. I remember Street me. Fighter Two coming out, and somebody and that was fifty p going or something like that's that. A lot. That's, and, like, um, that's like five quid now. Yeah, and it was just like somebody playing me mm-hmm. on that, and it was just like right, well, you've killed me in two seconds. That was yeah. worthwhile, wasn't it? I'm never doing that again. Off to off to play Golden Axe for ten p a go. <laughs> that will last for <clears> ten <throat> minutes. The times get my money for the. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I didn't play a lot. I mean, I. I got an Atari 2600 one. So up until I had my own money and jobs, I was always one or two generations behind. So I had an Atari 2600, which I think I got in the mid-80s, mid to late 80s. Well, I was born in 82, so it was in mid-80s, I guess late 80s. And then I got um, some kind of Amiga with the tapes. Oh, yeah. Where does it Spectrum? So I had that. At that time, people had Master Systems and NESs, but I had that. 
And then <clears throat> after that, I got myself a Sega Mega Drive. I did have a Mega Drive, yeah. Which I paid off over like 24 months from a catalogue, like by doing paper, my paper round. But it was all mine. And from that point on, then I was all right because I nice. saved up and got a PlayStation when they came out, etc. It's a good console. Yeah. Well, it's, do you know what? And it was, it was mine and I'd worked for it. And that taught me. Did you do the thing? Taught me the workings of Monk's game. Exactly, yeah. It's not capitalism. <laughs> Did you do the thing where you fold down the flaps on the Mega Drive so you could play Japanese imports? No, I never even knew oh, that was yeah. a thing. It's my little hack that I did. If you could get them getting um, cartridges cheap from Japan or stuff that you couldn't play yeah. elsewhere. Um, and they would still do with like an English menu or whatever because it converted for us. But yeah, the only protection system was the, the shape of the flap oh, okay. was like slightly different. But you could yeah. just take a file to it. You got to remember, Neil. I was like, I was just out of primary school when I got mine. Whereas, presumably, because of our age difference, you were. I was thirty. Just, you were doing your masters, so yeah. I mean, you would have yeah. known more about it than me. <laughs> no, I was about thirteen or fourteen at the time, I believe. Yes, you're four and a half years older than me, almost exactly. Right. So, you know, let's not keep Idris waiting. Let's dive into. He wants to, he's, he's wants to get into this arcade and start getting things done. And I know he listens. So, you know, of course he does. Do something, do, do something good like the wire again, Idris. Get on with it. Uh, he's watching everything he does. Yeah, he's good in everything he does. But, you know, he's a big enough, he's a big enough lad and he's from London. He can take a bit of a ribbon. <laughs> he's not worried about us. Um, so Neil, this is from inputmag.com. So that Ooh, sounds, nice. sounds official, doesn't it? Uh, doesn't tell me who it's written by. God, that oh no, here we go. Uh, it's by Ryan Houlihan. Good Irish name, bouncy, bouncy spot on. So, in 1981, in an arc, uh, an arcade in the Portland, Oregon area. Oh, that's spooky. We're just talking about that. Was a scene of countless gamers coming down with migraines, heart attacks, addiction. Cisures, strokes, and even amnesia. Stroke. Strokes. All due to one game cabinet, Polybius. Uh, the game itself was said to have been created by an unknown government agency to test mind control technology on unsuspecting civilians. It worked <laughs> almost too well. Or so the legend goes. It's almost quaint to discuss Polybius now. In the age of hyper-targeted Facebook propaganda, military recruiting via Twitch, and the looming spectre of deepfakes. <laughs> the looming spectre of what? Deepfakes. Oh, right, yeah. The idea that the public would be so terrified of an arcade game is adorable. It, it goes without... depends on what it could get you to do, doesn't it? Yeah. It goes without saying... That, well, I mean, it got me to do loads of stuff, and I just claimed it was deepfakes. Yeah. Uh, it goes without saying that well, the urban... Who could know? I mean, it's clearly a deep fake then. Exactly. I wouldn't behave like that. I mean... Despite I'm, evidence to the contrary. I mean, the only person who could possibly know one way or the other is um, is uh, divorced from me, so... Yeah. <laughs> Recognise those miles anywhere. Uh, it goes without saying, urban legends like this were the project of a more naive time a time before such tales would become weaponized and mutate into a far more dangerous genre of conspiracy theories. Mm, it's a little Gen Z fella is a bit, bit up himself, isn't he? Do you reckon? 
I don't know. It's kind of like, oh, we wouldn't believe in this kind of nonsense anymore. Well. Not with the terrifying stuff we have to deal with. We're not worrying about the Cold War, mate. Talk to me about deep fakes. I don't think Coolahan is a is a surname of a Gen Zer. No, you might. Well, surname wouldn't. Yeah, I don't know. No, they change. They change through time. How old is the oldest Gen Zer these days? Because I see they've mostly been slagging off millennials, so they've left my my lot alone. Yeah, I'm a millennial. You lot with your skinny jeans and your yeah, side parties. I'm wearing parties. skinny jeans right now. I've not got a side party. Yeah, perfect. Um, I don't know what. Gen Z from... I'm actually quite aligned with a lot of their stuff. The stuff that they talk about is like all that stuff. Like, I don't know, like posing yeah, for fine. photos and all of this sort of stuff. I'm like, I'm, yeah, I quite, quite uh, agree, Gen Z. Yeah, same. Yeah. Uh, I don't know when Gen Z started. Was it year 2000? Yeah, it would have been. I think it was like their internet natives, aren't they, is the idea. So it would have well, been, no, been millennials in their early are inter- Millennials are internet natives. I mean, let's well. face it, we discussed it before, but the whole generational thing is kind of a bit bullshit anyway, but... Uh, because I'm a zenial. Yeah, well, theoretically, I could I'm be as well as zenial yeah. or whatever they, however you pronounce that. Um, which I, I refuse. I quite like being Gen Z. Gen of course X, you do. Excuse me. Of course you do. Oh, yeah. your, your, Zoomers. Um, Zoomers. I quite like being Gen X. It's the, yeah, the most point, pointless allow, of generations. Yeah, it allows you to kind of be sort of mis- misanthropic. Whatever, don't care. Yeah. It's a pointless, isn't it? So the name um, you're going to ups- look, you're going to upset Israel if you keep um, Idris. Sorry, Israel. Is that I was reading. I was reading um, the Bible earlier. So the name uh, Polybius itself was lightly selected specifically as bait for the inquisitive and easily spooked. The original Polybius was an ancient Greek philosopher born around 208 BC, before Charlie. In Megalopolis, Arcadia, mm. he is known for his affinity for uh, cryptography and puzzles. He created the Polybius Square naturally, as well as his belief that historians should strictly report what they can verify through hard evidence and by interviewing witnesses. Quite you right, Herodotus. Exactly, you're listening, Homer. Uh, his name itself means many lives in Greek. Get it? Many lives, Arcadia, cryptic puzzles, his famous scepticism. It's almost too good a name for a spooky video game. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that most people who walk into arcades have quite an in-depth knowledge of uh, ancient Greek philosophy. Well, it might do. Not too many, I suspect. So, the urban legend of Polybius gained popularity on February 6, 2000, when a listing for the game popped, on, popped up on coinop.org, a digital museum and database for arcade gaming. The page, the page for Polybius listed the game as having been copyrighted in 1981, though no such copyright exists and only briefly mentions bizarre rumours about the title before classifying its history as unknown. So I've got... Do you want me to read the uh, the thing? Yeah, go for it. Okay, game summary. Need, we need information, game details. So this is, uh, this is the thing which was written on CoinOp, which seems to be the origin of this... So the game had a very limited release, one or two backwater arcades in a suburb of Portland. The history of this game is cloudy. There were all kinds of strange stories about 
kids who played it got amnesia afterwards, couldn't remember their name or where they lived, etc. The bizarre that just sounds like kids. The bizarre rumours about the game are that it was supposedly developed by some kind of weird military tech offshoot group. Uh, use some kind of proprietary behaviour modification algorithms developed for the CIA or something. Kids who played it woke up all night screaming and having horrible nightmares. According to an operator who ran an arcade with one of these games, guys in black coats would come in to collect records, inverted commas, from the machines. They're not interested in the quarters or anything. They just collected information about how the game was played. The game was weird-looking, kind of abstract, fast action with some puzzle elements. Kids who played it stopped playing games entirely. One of them became a big anti-video game crusader or something. We've contacted one person who met him. He claims the machines disappeared after a month or so, and no one ever heard about them again until the ROM showed up. So here's what we found so far. Well, I'm just thinking at the moment. So we're looking at like 81. When were these in arcades? In the early 80s? 80, uh, 81. So you're looking at like Donkey Kong and stuff like that in that period. Graphics weren't exactly... It sounds pretty advanced. No, it's not. It's not. It's just... No. It's just saying... Well, no. So there's story elements and... doesn't say story elements. Oh, okay. It says puzzle elements. Oh, okay. Puzzle. Puzzle's easy. Yeah, but normally it was just like one screen at a time. You know, I say stuff like Donkey King or Chucky. Yeah, yeah but just be like moving a could, little thing. Yeah, but that could you be could call the that case. puzzle element. Yeah, okay, trying to yeah. jump on the barrel or whatever. Okay. Yeah, or you have to whatever match up some stuff or whatever. I don't think this is anything too crazy. Fair enough. Um, here's what we found so far: found English strings, insert coin, and press one player starts, and only it looks like a one-two player game. Text in the game says copyright uh, 1981. Sinnerschlossen, maybe a German company. If anyone's heard any additional information about this game, we'd appreciate hearing about it. Quick update. We just wanted to go on record here to say that Stephen Roach is full of himself and knows nothing about the game. We have a good authority. No, Polybus is not a Tempest prototype. No, Polybius, sorry, is not a vector game. Does the title screen look vector? No, it does not. We've recently received some new information about the game. Today, May 16th, 2009. And yes, one of us is flying to the Kiev. <laughs> not to Kiev, to the to the Kiev, Ukraine area tomorrow. And yes, the trip is related to this information. Stay tuned. So that's the... was a weird aside. Thing. Yes. So back to, back to the main article. Though impossible to confirm without a confession from the man himself, whether the person believed to have created the post is Kurt Collar, the owner of the site. Collar would also tip off writer Dan Electro of Game Pro which at the time claimed to be the world's largest independent multi-platform gaming magazine to the existence of the story. Eventually, in 2003, listicles called Secrets and Lies, uh, GamePro came to an inconclusive verdict regarding the veracity of the tip. The story went on to hit Slashdot, the closest thing to going viral in the early noughties, on August 21st, 2003. That's nice, isn't it? August 21st, so that would have been my 21st birthday. Mm. 21st of August 2003. So that was uh, nice, wasn't it? I went went out dancing. <laughs> mm. So, <clears throat> 
But as we're in the age of, say it with me, fake news, the point of getting the story out there was not to have it debunked. It was to lodge it in the popular imagination of American gamers. At this, Collar was widely successful. Polybius has gone on to be the subject of television shows, music videos, documentaries, extensive investigation, and an, ep- and an episode of The Simpsons. And it has even become a real purchasable game. More than once, CoinOp.org has had... Uh, has had a similarly long life. It still exists on the internet today, with Polybius remaining its most popular entry. Mm. On the page for Polybius are infamous comments left by a user claiming to be a man named Stephen Roach. Roach detailed his involvement in the game's supposed development. Reassembled below for legibility. So here we go. Okay. Shall I give him a voice? Let's do so. Let's see what he's got to say. I mean, I'm mildly sceptical of all these people coming out. And so, see, I mean, here's my thing. Yeah. So, some it's entirely possible if one were to take it completely at face value, mm-hmm. you know, something could pop up in selected arcades for a month or something, and you wouldn't oh. necessarily have records of that around. So, it's quite difficult to disprove something like this. Yeah. Um, well, I, know, I was watching a doc documentary about sort of Atari, and in the early days, um, they were just like knocking the cases together in the factory themselves, like kind of all smoking dope and like just putting them together and kind of just like taking them out to places. Yeah. And then it kind of got big because like people just absolutely addicted to them and smashing them. And then it became more of a factory. But before well, that, they were just like, people would just kind of, there's a bit wild west. People would just knock stuff together and then take it down like local bowling alley and go, oh, can we see this in here? No, exactly. And well, I'd, I'd heard this about sort of the early days of Atari, and it's kind of like they'd just get random people in who could program, and they'd be like, yeah. you know, like apparently one guy was homeless or whatever, and it'd be like anyone who had sort of like the skills to just sort of drop in and just knock something together really quickly. Like the, whoever did that, it was like an infamous ET game that they put together. Mm. But the guy was literally given like a month to sort of yeah, write no, the ET together. Thing. It was just yeah. ridiculous that was, short timescales. That was later on in Atari when it that, had been that was much later, out, yeah. Brought out by suits. Yeah. Right, so here we go. So this is the thing off the website. Merrick uh, Vashasek was a programmer who came up with the name Polybius. He had studied Greek mythology at Mariak University and came up with the name because it sounded quite bold and mysterious, which is what we wanted, quite simply. It inspired Sick. Graphics combined with the puzzle elements and scintillating gameplay. It was something to behold. We playtested it for hours and hours, and it certainly was an addictive game that was well-loved professionally and recreationally by all who played it. We then received a phone call stating that there were concerns within the company that the basic graphics, which featured prominently in so many other games at the time, were fine for the average gamer to spend hours at a time without any noticeable physical or mental detriments. But the intense and engrossing gameplay of this new step was very much an unknown quantity. So the game was put back several months due to divided opinion within the board of directors, much to our consternation for breaking our backs to finish it on time. 
we disbanded shortly afterwards because we didn't want to restrict ourselves to the stringent deadlines of other companies and favored distancing ourselves from the game in case of any lingering recriminations, which could have done a great deal of damage to our personal and professional reputation, which was our livelihood, with some of us having very young families. This was extremely important to us. As far as I'm aware, no rams are otherwise existed unless they remains in the bowels of the company that distributed. We only received the basic payout in view of the fact the game was withdrawn without any nationwide or international distribution. So we grew to loathe it and was often a curse word whenever we used to meet up and still today, which is a shame. Okay, there we go. So that's that what a... someone claimed. So... In his documentary investigating the game called Belibius, the video game that doesn't exist, Stuart Brown of Ahoy claims to have actually tracked down the user who claimed to be Stephen Roach and states unequivocally that his addiction, uh, addition to the story is entirely fabricated. It does sound a bit uh, yeah. fishy. I didn't trust his voice. No, addition- yeah, it was a bit, um, was it Ratso, Rizzo, whatever he was from Midnight Cowboy? Not seen it. Um, yeah. yeah, apparently. <clears throat> so, in addition to the would-be hoaxers, there I'm were... walking here. That's where that comes from. I'm walk- I thought that was just New York. No, that's uh, it was from, uh, yeah, they're not cowboy. So, uh, in addition to the would-be hoaxers, there were feature films about the arcade machine with supernatural powers, which would popularize, popularize the concept. In 1984, The Last Starfighter is about a boy so good at video games that aliens recruit him to wage an actual intergalactic war. Then there's Nightmares, a 1983 horror anthology featuring a vignette called The Battle of Bishop about a game so addictive that it actually sucks a young Emilio Estevez into its secret 13th level. There's also the children's kid show from the UK called Nightmare. Mm where they put someone in a hat and have bad CGI from the 80s. It's just blue screen, wasn't it? And they walked around the room, yeah. So, blue screen and a lot of Amdram actors. Yeah. Oh, I the see you, Prince. You, yeah. are. <laughs> <Yeah>. so, <laughs> you have come to claim the crowd. <laughs> Don't worry, it won't happen. What's on the table? There's a key, a loaf of bread, and a left, potion. Left. No, no, you've fallen down the chasm. Unlucky, everybody <laughs> The popularity of the um, Polybius story is such that it has transcended other video games' tales. It's easily more popular than Minecraft's Hero Brian or the San or GTA San Andreas Sasquatch, or that time, or that at time people thought Saddam Hussein was trying to conquer the world with a PS2. Sounds good. Well, why not? Right. Have you only done that instead of Scud missiles, Chris? Would be a better place. (laughs) Right, I'm writing that one down. That's happening in Series 4. Um, the thing uh, is, you do get the um, American military have like funded games before. So you'll mm. get, I think actually even like things like Call of Duty, they might have some. No, interested. they've got, there's a, There was one I called, I can't remember what it was called, but Battlefield it might be. They've got, yeah. they've got, yeah, they're specifically, like you can go on their website or something and it's like a, a, a first person shooter to try and get kids into wanting to do it in real something life. Something like that, yeah. Lovely. And of course, they um, they control the drones with Xbox controllers, mm-hmm. nice and easy. So future warfare. 
as mainstream urban legends go, Polybius is probably only slightly less successful than the Slender Man or the Hook. Uh, and you can see here a little picture of uh, Polybius in the background uh, in an arcade in an episode of The Simpsons. Mm. I mean, I, I have actually heard of this one. This is usually with all of these ones. Mm. I rarely do I actually know about them. But um, no, this is one I've heard of before. Yeah, I have. I don't know how. So, Neil, but is any of it actually true? All true, as far as I'm concerned. Actually, yes. To understand the truth behind the legend, one must fall down an internet rabbit hole that spans both time and cyberspace. Can I not? Online listings for Polybius all contain the same blurry photo of the game's cabinet and marquee. There's no way to tell if it's a, this is a physical cabinet ever existed or if it's an early Photoshop job, thanks to the dubious quality. Listings also host the, own, uh, the only known screenshot of the game. I mean, it's, the thing is, it's really easy to do stuff like that now. So. Oh, no, absolutely. Um, well, again, it, it's, it, it's one of those things where it'll be impossible to disprove. Mm. Like, I mean, you look at what happened in MKUltra and stuff, it's not beyond the bounds of possibility that CIA might have attempted something like this. I don't necessarily say that I believe it, but, you know, strange Wait things a minute. happened. You haven't heard it. You have, you've not heard... Oh, sorry, no, I've not heard the compelling evidence yet. I've not heard the compelling evidence now. God. Good call. What's wrong with right. Get this juror off the stands. Um, I'm not a liar. The screenshots display the game's title screen, the aforementioned copyright date, and credited development to the company called Sinoschlossen a word which roughly translates something along the lines of sense-deleting or sensory deprivation in broken German. There is no evidence of any such company having ever existed in Germany, the United States, or arcade gaming's capital, Japan. That's, so that's how you know it's true. Yeah. The font used for the name Polybius is itself actually quite notable for being so large and colourful during an area where the memory required to produce such an effect was at a serious premium. Only games from powerhouses like Nintendo's or Williams. Before we got into F1, presumably. Yeah, before we got into F1. Still gone downhill since then. Yeah. Uh, for the going to tennis, uh, were known to have spent such a uh, high-priced resource on something as fleeting as a title screen. In fact, the lettering is reminiscent of the one used for Nintendo's versus Pinball and the one used for Williams' Bubbles, though not an exact match for either. It even resembles an East German cabinet called a Polyplay from the era, though it's unlikely... Uh, Unlikely anything this obscure inspired an American legend. Again, there's not too much to go on here. Might be unlikely, but it's still possible. Exactly. The more unlikely it is, the more possible it is, I believe. Mm. That's Occam's razor, isn't it? The more true, yeah. Mm. So, some resources have claimed that the story of Polybius was making the rounds on Usenet as early as, or Usnet, is it? They use that, I believe. Yeah, yeah. As early as 1994, that there is yet again no record. This existing in Usnet, Usenet archives. This may be a case of the Mandela effect, which is bullshit, where a group of people misremember the same events as there was indeed a Pink Floyd themed puzzle or hoax of 
a puzzle going around using it in the early days called uh, Publius Enigma, which became so popular that its name was inexplicably displayed during one of the band's concerts. Mm-hmm. The puzzle itself is nearly incomprehensible and has never been solved. Still, other dubious sources have claimed that the gameplay of Polybius was similar to that of the vector stylings of Res Tempest or Quix. Uh, Tempest was extremely popular at the time and known for having mesmerising graphics. So it's not a stretch to think that it may have stuck in the memories of gamers of the era. Cube Quest, similarly, was a visually stunning title that <laughs> was only in active use for a very short period of time owing to its reliance on sensitive laser disc technology. A local arcade can only afford so many high-priced repairs. You know that, don't you, used to run an arcade? Absolutely. Well, I do remember, because yeah, I think laser disc, that was, um, was it called Dragon's Lair or something like that? Do you remember that one? It was like a cartoon. Yeah. It like was an arcade. Yeah. And really, all you were doing is you were pressing some buttons and it would just get onto the next, um, mm. you know, because the graphics looked amazing for the time. But I really, do remember just, that. Yeah. yeah. All you were really doing was... I think I ever played it. No, it was far too expensive. Yeah. And also, it was like everything was always instant there. So there's also all the people who got sick while playing games, such as Tempest at the time, just like uh, Polybius. As was the case with Michael Lopez of Beaverton, Oregon, who suffered a sudden migraine while playing Tempest with some friends at the Malibu Grand Prix Arcade. Mm-hmm. I began to feel a weird sensation in the back of my head. Then my vision started going out. Little flashlights, recalls Lopez. Suddenly I get sick and stumble outside where I threw a ball over the parking lot. One of my friends walked with me back home. We didn't make it all later. My head hurt so bad. I got to where I couldn't speak. I couldn't walk anymore. I collapsed on someone's lawn four blocks from my house, rolling and screaming in pain. It felt like my head was cracking open. Someone called the cops. <laughs> that was the first migraine headache I ever had. I've had them on and off my whole life since, but it was freaky because I didn't know what was happening at that time. Was this an episode of the Wonder Years? <laughs> yeah. What would you do? <laughs> that was my first ever migraine. Blame <laughs> was put on the game, game's flashing lights and intense visual effects. And the incident was documented by a local, po- local paper. See, I've had a few bad migraines in the past, normally due to stress around examination times. Mm. Um, and they are fucking awful. Like, that, like, that's the worst thing ever. So, and you do feel sick and, and, you know, I go, like, I've had like numbness down one half of my body. So, you know, I can see that. And with the neon lights, so maybe it was hot and, you know, yeah, yeah. You can see how it can set you off. So, this is the same with the case of, uh, Jeffrey and Dahlia, Daly, sorry, uh, a gamer who suffered a heart attack and died after getting his name on a high school list of gamers. Worth it. In this case, blame was also put on the stress-inducing arcade cabinet, which is bollocks. I'm not reading the article. So, I mean, that's 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 someone with a pre-existing medical condition. This was a time when they, computer games were 
new and they just blamed everything on it. Well, it's because it was possessed by Satan. Mm-hmm. How else do they power the laser discs? Exactly. So, uh, similarly, uh, Peter Bukowski also died of heart failure, possibly due to a myocardial inflammation while playing Bizarre. Was anything like his brother Charles? He might have been there, or his, mm. actually probably would have been his father, his grandfather by that point. But uh, so might have been the heavy drinking that did for him. Then there's a Brian Mauro who, after 28 uh, straight hours of playing asteroids and drinking Coca-Cola, got sick and collapsed. Was it the machine? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, Mauro survived, but it's easy to see how reporting such events in the northwestern United States could lead to paranoia about the long-term effects of this new entertainment medium. I mean, some people always take everything a bit too far. I mean, if you ran for twenty-eight hours straight, do you know what I mean? So, you pretty much do anything twenty-eight hours straight, and it's going to yeah. have you know an impact if you don't or take some rest, especially if you're chugging a load of cola at the same time. <clears throat> keep yourself awake. So, it's hard to imagine now, but at the worst, it's not that hard to imagine. Uh, oh, no, this bit is, yeah. So, I should have read out. I'll keep, I'll keep my comments to myself in the future. Yeah. It's hard to imagine now, but at the time, gaming was such a new phenomenon that it was labelled a fad and classified as part of the toy industry. Parents were suspicious of the machines that seemingly out of nowhere, mesmerising a generation of American children. And who could blame them? Game developers have spent decades trying to wring money out of their audience by making their games attention-grabbing, sensorily immersive and increasingly addictive. If anything, parents today should be more sceptical about the immersive, addictive, gambling-adjacent games that are freely available on every conceivable screen. Oh, lovely loot boxes. Loot boxes. Mm. Yeah, I've never really mm. understood that. Well, I understand this because they can make money out of it. But, no, I mean, uh, I, but I don't understand why you... Why anyone yeah. would want to spend £10 on fictional currency, yeah, to mm. just cheat your way around the game. There you go. It, there you it's go. gamification, isn't it? It gets people addicted, and then you sort yeah. of, yeah, you end up stumping up once you go down that slippery slope. Guess so, yeah. Next thing you know, you're, um, you know, you're down Labbrooks, yeah. <laughs> putting 50 quid into the blackjack machine. So, well, at least that might pay out. But yeah, uh, exactly. At least there's, there's a chance you know, or something. Horse armour or whatever. Was <laughs> years ago, but, um, you know, ain't gonna. So, you, well, because it's all about fucking, there's all of these wankers touting NFTs in games now, aren't they? <laughs> so the latest fucking, you know, all the crypto bros trying to make some money out of nothing. But you pay me to do this podcast in NFTs. Are you saying that that's not... You're saying I've made a poor decision? No, you've made an, an extremely wise investment, Chris. Don't you worry. In lazy nails. Yeah. <laughs> lazy nails are going to be... Uh, going to make you a billionaire, don't you worry. Okay, good. So as long as got, that, we've got as to ride this wave out. As long, as long as you're not ripping me off. No. So... Um, but today, as was the case in the 80s, people tend to be more suspicious of their own shadowy governments than they are of corporations whose motive, motives are transparent. They want to take your money. It doesn't help matters that the FBI was indeed conducting top-secret operations out of America's arcades. The Bureau's record indicates that the agency actually was monitoring and subsequently raiding arcades in the Portland area right around the time that stories of players collapsing in arcades had hit the mainstream media. 
In those days, arcades, which had naturally dark and maze-like, had seedy reputations of hotbeds of gambling, drug activity, and pickpockets looking to prey on teenagers. Well, there probably was quite a few weed dealers and stuff like that, mm. hanging around arcades and stuff in those days. Panhandlers. Quite what the FBI, FBI needed to get involved, oh. I don't know. But... So, though the extent to which arcades captured the public's imagination was out of proportion with the actual issues... Uh, in the establishments, some of that reputation was earned. Cabinets were being repurposed for gambling. People were selling weeds in between the rounds of Pac-Man. And there are pickpockets wherever teenage tend to gather, especially in the days before cell phones. Uh-huh. Even more so, I would have thought. Yeah, so would I. Uh, one more fanciful operation conducted by the FBI included agents rigging classic cabinets like Tempest, Scramble and Galaxian with the cam- with cameras and microphones in the hope of catching criminals in the act. Games like Tempest were selected less for their mind control abilities and more because their cabinets featured glass bezels, ideal for sticking a camera behind. The program was so extensive that it briefly caused a shortage of Tempest machines in the Seattle area during the 80s. Mm. Just imagine teenagers watching men in black wheeling Tempest machines in and out of arcades every few days. It only makes sense they would start describing outlandish motives to these agents, Neil. I mean, you have to assume that they didn't dress up in the, you know, in the whole... They had a big FBI windbreakers. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you... Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think, like, so, you know, like, they take the Business Simpsons with the FBI truck with, like, flowers by Iris outside. I'm trying <laughs> to think what what they would have outside to put, like, the arcade machines in and out. Something Industries, Ferris Bueller's Industries, that'd do. So, um, so these stories of mind control and government experiments are also, unfortunately, completely based in reality. Many people have heard of it, but... Uh, by now, but at the time, there were only whispers about the CIA programmers known as MK Ultra, which was pursuing mind control techniques using technology, multimedia, and a whole lot of drugs. Oh, yes. Must be acid. Lovely. I'm on acid right now. You can kind of tell so, by my, my laid-back way that I'm reading this. And your pupils the size of atoms. Yeah, and the fact that... Um, I've just uh, peeled all the skin off one of my arms. Uh, so the experiments were conducted, which never happens. Um, the experiments... More PCP, I would have thought. <clears throat> well, I've, I've, I mean, I've had a cocktail. And I've, you know, yeah, fair enough. I had, I had a few packs of bath salts left over, but I couldn't shift. So, um, so the ex- waste not one not <laughs> waste not one not. Uh, the experiments were conducted without the permission of the subject, who described the experience as extreme psychological torture. With that in mind, a mesmerizing video game doesn't seem so fantastical, does it, Neil? Does it? Does it, Neil? Hey, you know, it's always within the realms of possibility, I guess. It's right. what, they're, what they're looking to get out of it, I think. Was it, anyway, wasn't it MK Ultra 60s and 70s? Yeah. Yeah. But the, none of it was declassified at the time, so it would have just been... Okay. Pss, pss, pss. So... These disturbing stories are all verifiable, but none of them contain the actual game Polybius. To actually play Polybius, you have to settle for one of the many fan games developed in tribute to the legend. Yeah, you can get a game called Polybius on Steam nowadays. Okay. Uh, there are uh, there's a supposed copy distributed by GoodDealGames.com around 2004, called Polybius.com. 
exe, which is the shortened version for execute. Little tip for you there, Neil, if you're mm. ever using a computer. Uh, the game's claim to <laughs> contain its own uh, emulation software and warns players the previous video game has been linked to impaired memory and psychological changes. Games may... Uh, gameplay may cause epileptic seizures in susceptible individuals. Do you still want to continue before booting into the familiar title screen? Uh, w- once one presses any key, the game crashes and another pop, uh, another pop-up message explains that it was simply an April Fool's Day joke. Freeware developers, Rogue Synapsis, known for creating fan-made cabinets of arcade games which never existed, like the ones from The Last Starfighter, developed and distributed the game named Polybius in 2007. This version attempts to faithfully recreate the gameplay as described in the urban legend, including the trippy visuals and the subliminal messages. In an effort to further uh, immersive to further the immersive prank, the company owner, Dr. Estil Vance, registered the URL uh, uh, and trademarked the usage of the name Polybius, though noted that it wasn't an authentic original, was simply an attempt to recreate the Polybius game that may have existed in 1981. The most famous and easily obtained version of Polybius is from developer Llamasoft, who released the game for the PlayStation 4 and PSVR in 2016. Mm. Oh, I might have to literally dust mine off. <laughs> is that Jeff Mint at Llamasoft? Anyway, don't know. Uh, though the game contains vector-like graphics, it's very obviously a modern creation intended to be actually played as a standalone title. It was in fact so popular that it was used for the music video Less Than by Nine Inch Nails in 2017. Mm. So none of these games are truly plebeious, which, if it ever existed at all, only survives via word of mouth and in articles like the one you're reading slash Podcasts like the one you're listening to, where I read out the article of someone, well, just ape someone else's work. Mm, Polybius, that's pretty much what we do. Yeah. Polybius, well, you know, science mystery theatre, same yeah. thing, isn't it? Polybius was almost certainly invented by Kurt Collar to promote his website, which obviously succeeded beyond any reasonable expectation. But in the light of free to play mobile games with addicting, addictive, uh, Gasher mechanics, corporations, and the government's hyper-targeting ads on Facebook, effectively mind control, and the alphabet soup of federal agencies torturing children, the themes of the legend are more relevant than ever before. In a way, the story of Polybius is entirely true, Neil. People were dying while playing addictive video games. Men in black were using arcade machines and secret operations, and the government was and probably still is, pursuing mind control. The Portland area witnessed all of these things. <laughs> it just wasn't called Polybius. Seen. Mm, my dear fool. <laughs> my dear boy. Well, there you go, Neil. The story of Polybius. You can see why Idris likes it. Yeah. He can blame him. Not me. I certainly can't. So, uh, any thoughts, or should we go through our scoring system? Yeah, that, I just that think was like a full story, wasn't it? Well, well done. there's a lot to that. Yeah, well done, really, 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 a lot to add there. Um, no, that's uh, I mean, it's 
He's, I mean, he's kind of filled it in with a lot of kind of factual stuff around the edges, isn't he? So that's quite good. Um, Sorry, Ryan Houlihan. Well done. Yeah. Oh, he's he's got a nice face. Just like that. That's good to know. Yeah. What other stuff does he do? This isn't going to be a Tim the Yowie situation, is it? I don't know. Hope not. Leave it there. All right, then, Neil. Um, so let's go through our scoring system. Let's I'm, do. I'm just going to, I'm going to call it. I think you're going to give it a 10 for spookiness, but let's see if I'm right. <laughs> um, I'm not going to go completely low on this one. It's not that spooky, but the idea of kind of like government mind control or sort of like, you know, um, I mean, things like you hear about MK Ultra and things like this are just, you know, people, you know, putting drugs in or trying to sort of do things in mind control you without, you know, your consent. That is quite scary, actually. So um, that's the kind of element I'll take away. Um, the rest Gov- of it, I mean... Government overreach. Yeah, well, I just think, you know, the idea of kind of like losing your mind, I think you get involved in some program and then they just, you know, mm. there'd be no there'd be no sort of comeback or, or admission as to what happened. So, yeah, it's quite spooky. I'm going to give that a seven, I think. Seven. Yeah, so, <clears throat> I mean... It's not like the CIA hasn't got previous for testing shit on its own citizens. So, um, you know, yeah, I think uh, I think the sort of unchecked power of and it, I don't. I mean, I I only really know about it. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming the KGB etc. have done similar things and different agencies. Um, but I don't know about it as much as I know about the CIA doing this kind of shit. And um, the sort of unchecked power, and they seem to not really fall into the normal chain of command and just kind of do their own shit. I think that's quite spooky. Um, There's nothing spooky in a supernatural way. But, um, but yeah, um, I think, yeah, I think. And also sort of the lack of concern that they seem to have for their fellow humans slash fellow citizens of the country's fucking life is pretty spooky. So, yeah, I'm going to give that a seven as well, Neil. So, believability. Well, it's pretty believable. It's pretty believable. Um, I mean, they were sort of... And so, like migraines and stuff, yeah, hundred percent. People get them from games, especially if it's a new thing and you're not brought up, kind of within the realm of the screen, which we are now. Um, so I can see how it could, you know, give people headaches and stuff and seizures. Like there wouldn't have been epilepsy warnings, and people wouldn't really understood all the stuff around that. Uh, people definitely seem to have had heart attacks and stuff, but I think that's probably more down to um the sheer number of people who are using the machines like you know it's yeah. like it's like you know correlations not causation you know you don't say that trains give people heart attacks whereas i'm sure that many people have heart attacks on trains so that's neither here nor there um but it sounds like the fbi were having using the machines not necessarily for mind, not for mind control but you know it was kind of to try and spy on people and that kind of thing so and again there's nothing supernatural about it um, so I'm going to give it an eight for believability now. Yeah, reasonably high on this one as well for me. I'm just I'm not quite sure exactly what it is for being yours to believe because I think 
it, it's, uh, who, who sort of put this into the model. I'm not sure I buy into the whole mind control piece and all the rest of it, but yeah, it's quite interesting, the whole thing around. I mean, I, I wonder why the FBI were getting involved with local arcades and things like that. It's not people dealing pot. Well, yeah, you wouldn't have thought they'd be that bothered about that stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, but it was, more, you've got to remember, about, early 80s, Reagan war on drugs. Yeah, well, small crime, but there you go. Yeah, but it was high priority, but fair enough, if that were the case. Um, but yeah, no, I think, um, you know, whilst I don't necessarily believe that there was some, you know, you, it's difficult to disprove a negative, as we've already said a few times. And yeah, you know, who knows, this kind of thing, it could have gone on one, you know, potentially. So we give it a six. Six, okay. And narrative premise? Um, I think there's been a few stories told around this. It seems to sort of get around the internet quite a bit. And I think there's even been sort of films and stuff made. So, or certainly sort of stories and stuff published. But, um, yeah, I don't know how exciting um, a kind of a story is, though, being in an arcade. I don't know. I suppose it's sort of like impressionable teens. I suppose that makes it more, um, you know, you, it's, not, it's not a massive one for this for me. I think there's, there's the roots of something there, so I'm going to give it a six. Six. So, um I yeah, I think it's. I think that yeah, I think the narrative, or the pre- I think the premise is is all right. That you know the alphabet services or whatever they call them uh, possibly would have seen this new kind of machine, and like it's. I mean, arcade machines have been around since the seventies, but I guess there was a big boost, like you know, growth in the eighties, especially in mm. America, and you could see them kind of the sociopaths in the agency sitting going, how can we leverage this? Like, what can we do to to kind of take advantage of this? Would we be able to wipe someone's mind using a machine or whatever? You know, you could see, I mean, I think there's, I think, I mean, I think it's, I think you could get a TV series out of something like this. I think it's all right. Um, you know, the kind of unknown of, of it all happening and then kids suddenly, like, forgetting stuff and sort of mysterious people, you know. Going assassins. Yeah, Ferris Bureau uh, investigates. Ferris, what is it? No, Ferris Bueller Industries in their vans. Like, yeah, but they could, yeah, coming assassins or whatever. Or, like, telling... Uh, Crossing up their parents for being communists. At least you'll arrest a few pot dealers. Exactly. That's there. So I think you know. I think there's something. I think there's always use, using something which are gen, you know to, that's fun and is kind of a big thing in the general public, but it's quite mm. new and using it for nefarious means. I think it's quite a strong premise. So I'm going to give it a seven and reach. Um, so uh, it feels like creepy pasta to me, but um, I mean that's what like this Polybius thing. It seems like a very early version of creepy pasta. Um, it's it seems pretty well known. I've not heard of it, but I think it's probably fair. I mean, if you've heard of it, then you know we're in flavor country. So um, I and it seems to you know there's plenty of articles and stuff, and it's got a big wiki page, and it's been in the Simpsons and stuff like that as kind of like an in-joke. So uh, I think I'm going to give it a six for each now. How about yeah. you? Similar, similar thing for me, I think, just because I've heard of it and it's, um, I think it's reasonably widely known. It's, but as you say, it probably is more of a kind of internet meme type thing. 
Um, it's probably a, a seven for me. I think it's not one that's going to resonate like the Loch Ness monster or you know uh, Yeti or whatever the abominable snowman or anything like that. But uh, yeah, it's not. It's not like a top tier one. But uh, I think it's it's quite well known around the world. Um, it's become a bit of a, a you know a, an urban myth post um, you know the internet. Um, I don't don't think it was going around in the eighties or whatever. So you know, cool. yeah. Well, I think that gives us an overall score of fifty four, which is a highfalutin score. For um, mm-hmm. you know, especially for Idris. So um, yeah, if you uh, if you've ever had a migraine and want to let us know, then please feel free at uh, dot legends podcast at gmail dot com. Um, but apart from that, we will be back uh, same time next Thursday, uh, and I'm gonna go. Prob- I mean, I've got we're doing this a day early, so I've got a, I've got a Sunday to myself tomorrow, so I might try and get through a bit more of the modern-day Polybius, Cyberpunk, what, 20, whatever it's called. 2077. Um, i try to get through a bit more of that, or Witcher 3, because I haven't touched either of them in ages, and I kind of want to get them done so I can tick them off. <laughs> nice. Cool. All right, everyone, have a nice week, and uh, we'll see, see hear you. We won't see or hear you, but um, no. we'll be a... I don't know, whatever. Right. We'll, we'll check the stats at some point. And yeah, we'll check, aware we'll of check the stats, yeah. <laughs> we'll know what town you're from or what town the nearest uh, internet routing box is. Cool. All right. Next Thursday. Bye. See you later. Bye.